Welcome to episode number 163, Marginalized. Now, I will admit to avoiding this subject for a very long time. Not that it isn't real or isn't part of the mental illness experience. It is because I have struggled with how to approach it. I believe it to be a very real problem with difficult solutions. Many of you who listen might know me personally. Even if you don't, I actually have been fairly open about my personal life with mental illness, autoimmune diseases, and some autistic nature that I have recently discovered. Now, I have wonderful parents, a marvelous family with active, engaged children, and I've been a member of the church my entire life. Looking into my life from the outside, one might think that I have rarely felt marginalized or minimized within church settings and the many wards and stakes I've attended. But quite the opposite is true. I have regularly felt marginalized and even minimized by nearly every ward and stake I have attended. Now that may come as a shock to many, as I have served in actually many leadership callings. I say that so you might understand that callings do not necessarily change that feeling. Now I don't want you to think that I am chastising anyone in the wards where I have lived because it was not really about the leadership or the people. Feeling marginalized will come to actually most people, but for those who suffer it will come with greater force and reality. It will, in some senses, become a part of one's identity as it will be felt regularly by those who suffer. Naturally, we understand that in the Lord's kingdom, we are not marginalized as his sons and daughters of God. However, the feeling is natural to our existence in mortality in some ways. We have been taken from a place where we had established deep, long-lasting relationships and eternal connections in the pre-mortal world, given a veil over our minds of those events, and then sent to a mortal body with some serious restrictions. It is no wonder we feel a little lost on this earth. While it is somewhat natural to feel marginalized and minimized in this world, one must understand that mental illness will exacerbate this feeling to whole new levels. Now that statement is going to be fairly obvious to one who suffers, but that doesn't resolve the problem. I am certainly, I am not certain that one can never fully resolve those feelings in a mortal body, but there are some things we can do to help each other and ourselves. Now, it took me several years now to write this podcast. I knew what would come as I opened up about my personal struggles with a previous bipolar disorder, depression, and anxiety caused by autoimmune illnesses and my autistic nature. I would likely feel a greater isolation. The stigma with these illnesses are very real, although I don't fault anybody for it with media portrayals and exaggerations, the non-believers and a host of unknowns, for those of us who do not experience it, stigmas are a natural consequence. Now, that doesn't mean it's right. It just means that I understand why they exist. Stigmas come naturally to almost everyone. When the unknown approaches our mind, and we have no way to understand it, our mind naturally pushes it away or ignores it. Stigmas are created by fear of the unknown. And when a majority of the people in a culture develop similar stigmas, they become part of the culture and belief system. Stigmas generally develop from grassroots and then coalesce into a cultural group think type of behavior. Chronic illnesses, mental illnesses, personality disorders fall into this stigma category within society and church culture. Now, if you think those two cultures are entirely separate, you are fooling yourself. Culture, both good and bad, pervades the church naturally. 
Having these illnesses can feel a little like a leper in the time of the Savior, where you carried a bell and or loudly announced your presence. While we tend not to announce our illnesses to the world, when we do, it can feel all the more like we don't belong. I personally don't believe people, at least most people, do so consciously. Now, I found individuals who, who do not suffer with these maladies avoid them out of fear of the unknown. They have no experience with them, and we avoid the unknown. And that's just part of who we are as mortal beings. Human beings are wired to avoid that which they have not experienced and cannot understand. As humans or natural men and women, we will especially ignore things such as mental illness because it represents more than simply something we don't understand. Mental illness is a, mal a, malady, a malady that represents a loss of control, and not just a minor loss, but a loss of one of the most important systems in our body. Someone who has not experienced it cannot confront it because the mind, their mind simply will not allow it. Our mind is built to feel fully in control, even though we might realize rationally that we lack a great deal of control in our lives. Our minds needs to feel control, and mental illness, chronic illness, personality disorders cause deep fear in others. I don't think peop most people realize it as fear or recognize it, but it is fear that motivates them to isolate others who have these illnesses. Now, I understand the problem at least at this basic level. What individuals fear, they isolate. I knew that as I opened up about my personal issues, that I would face that isolation that would come. I was less concerned at the time with the isolation and marginalizing behavior because deep down I understood it. That doesn't mean I didn't feel marginalized. My understanding of others and how they would react simply provided for the fortitude to continue to be active and engaged in the gospel and help to change the perception of these illnesses. When we understand why individuals isolate us, we can better adapt, plan, and work within the realities that we are going to face. We should expect to feel isolated or marginalized, and we should seek to understand the why. Now, there are several reasons why we feel the way we do, and each really has a solution, although maybe not easy ones. I'm going to list several today with some answers and solutions, but I am by no means the expert on this, and we should continue to adapt and learn as we work through those terrible feelings of aloneness and being marginalized. The first and primary objective we should understand is that our illness causes feelings that can be interpreted as feeling marginalized. With depression, anxiety, and even bipolar, the loss of our emotional connection to the external realities, these anchoring relationships, and the loss of emotional controls within ourselves actually creates a void that we often interpret as feeling isolated, misunderstood, and as though no one understands our concerns. In addition, we will often feel lost, confused, hurt, worthless, without desire, and a host of other negative feelings. That particular set of negative feelings may cause us to feel we are unworthy of a relationship, and that isolation from relationships builds deep negative reservoirs. Relationships are what bind us to each other and to our culture and to our society. It is what provides for belonging. When we are unable to establish relationships or maintain them at a high level, we will feel marginalized and isolated. This Part of this is due to our natural need for relationships in our lives. Something I think we actually brought 
to us, to this earth, from our previous experiences in the pre-mortal world, and also something ingrained in our DNA. For us to feel connected and feel whole, we need solid, honest relationships with other human beings. For the most part, individuals with mental illness will have few close friends. That is somewhat true for everyone, as it takes significant effort to maintain relationships, but it will be far truer for those who suffer. I personally have just one close friend outside of my wife and children. I really don't even have close ties with my brothers and sisters. The illness will naturally isolate you, both in the sense of belonging and identity. Personality changes will also cause you to select different people with whom you identify at different times during your episodes. Changing moods and the retraction that occurs during episodes also sends signals to your friends and family and those around you that are often interpreted as though we don't desire a close relationship. We often close ourselves off from the world, not because we choose to, but because our illness will cause it. This retraction from the world also causes serious issues with daily relationships. And as individuals, we'll often mirror what we give to them. In some ways, when we are isolated, we are seeing what we are demonstrating to others in the relationships we develop. Now, it is important to understand very few individuals can see beyond our illness and our symptoms and see us as who we truly are. I will admit that it can be even difficult to define who we are when we suffer because our identity will change according to our emotions. Our emotional connection to ourselves is really our true identity. The way we feel about others and ourselves gives us a majority of our identity daily and as our illness alters our emotional state, so too will our identity. For our closest associates, this can be baffling and concerning, as they see us respond to them differently over time. They naturally will react according to what they are seeing, and this often leads to a diminishing effect upon the relationship. We should also consider and understand that most individuals live with a relatively low sense of inter internal fortitude and identity. Most people look to the outside world for some portion or even a majority of their identity, and for many of those individuals, it can be a large part of their identity and acceptance. The truth of the matter is that many people live with a low self-esteem or self-worth. Natural men and women also tend to be egocentric, meaning they are far more focused on themselves than others. The easy way to see this is to think about how much effort we put into our outward appearance and notice so little about others. We focus so heavily at times on wearing the right clothing, the right hair, driving the right car, living in the right places, cleaning the house thoroughly when company is coming. We cover the weaknesses in our lives. We are far more concerned about what others think of us than that they th we think of others. This means very simply that we will gravitate to individuals who give us identity and shy away from those who do not. When you have mental illness, you rarely have enough energy, desire, and emotion for yourself, much less to support others. Naturally, this leads to an isolating feeling. So if we look at the reality of it, I don't think that we feel marginalized in the sense of some evil nature of society. I don't think, for the most part, that individuals marginalize others purposefully. Yes, there are those individuals who might use humor, teasing, and other types of serious actions, such as bullying, to cause feelings of inadequacy and isolation in others. 
However, it has been my experience that these individuals have serious emotional issues of themselves and very low self-esteem, and the cutting words and bullying is often a coping mechanism, although not a good coping mechanism. My purpose is not really at this point to justify their actions, but to provide the understanding of the why. I realize that inside of our episodes, we could likely do little to help them as our own reserves are seriously diminished, but understanding the reasons for their behavior can give us some level of compassion. Now, when we think about solutions to this problem we face so frequently, the answers may not be easy to find or to implement because our illness tends not to allow for them. Now, while I personally may not have all the answers, there are a few that I have found. The first is easy, and it is something I have said for a while in these podcasts. Managing your illness will provide for less isolation and feelings of marginalization. However, understand you might not be able to see it because it will be difficult to see the changes. Also note that relationship changes take time and effort. So simply managing your illness for a few months may not net what you seek entirely, but it will certainly help with the isolation. Second, we need to avoid obtaining an identity from the world and those around us. While we as humans are wired to seek feedback from the world around us and to puppet and mimic other behaviors, our identity needs to come from a source that does not change from day to day and fully understands who we are and who we can become. The only source I know of is through personal revelation and the Savior and our Father. Our identity needs to become what the Father and Savior see in us. They are perfectly willing to share that feedback and provide proper perspective to help us develop and maintain an effective identity, one that is independent of the ever-changing world and the philosophies that blow about terribly with every breath of Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. Our identity cannot be what the world tells us it is because, unfortunately, they have no stable foundation and are simply adrift in what is popular this moment mentality. How do we obtain this identity and what does it look like when we obtain it? Our identity should come to match the Savior in the sense of our eternal nature, desires and actions that emanate from those desires. Certainly, this takes time and effort and is not likely to come in this life. But seeking out this identity will do more for our own than taking advice from a world in commotion. Third thing we can do is be honest in our relationships that we desire to establish and maintain. This means telling those individuals that we have mental health issues and then also teaching them what it means and what they will see in us. When people understand why we are behaving the way we do, they don't fill in the blanks and make assumptions. People also tend to be more compassionate and understanding concerned about our struggles as we are honest with them. However, Telling someone you suffer from bipolar disorder, depression, or serious anxiety without explaining what it means in the sense of what they will see from you is not likely going to be helpful but more isolating. If we want deep relationships that matter, then we must be honest. Understand, though, that even when we reach out in this way, not everyone will respond to it positively, and there will be others who will take time to adjust. Acknowledging to someone our weakness is not the heal-all button in a video game, but it will help significantly and is, and will provide for us a safety net 
when we are struggling and cannot entirely help ourselves. Fourth, and this one's going to sound just a little strange, listen to others with the intent to understand them. We don't have to solve their problems. We simply need to listen and understand without judgment. Most individuals in this world lack someone with whom they can honestly speak without feeling judged or condemned. We all fight daily with our weaknesses, and we hide them so deeply because we have been judged far too often. When we are compassionate, understanding, and truly listen to others, we will deepen our own relationships. When we provide safety nets for others, it actually strengthens our own. Now this leads me to my final and fifth thing we can do to help our isolation. As much as our mind and body allow, we should reach out to others to serve them in small ways. This will also include reaching out to others who suffer as you do. Service provides actually several benefits, but the greatest is that it develops deep relationship and ties that bind us. It also gets us out of our own head and problems. When we seek to lift others, even as we suffer deeply, our hurts, pains, and suffering sufferings will actually be diminished. Those problems are actually are not going to go away, but somehow serving others seems to cause a lifting of our own burdens. I actually discussed this at length in our last episode. Finally, and this has been a bit of a motto for me lately, don't take yourself so seriously. Sometimes we get lost in our problems and searching for answers. Find a way to take a mental break, and yes, I know how hard that is when your desires are non-existent and your emotions resist everything you do, but do it anyway. I've started to use a phrase in my head that my teenagers use frequently. Whenever something comes into my head causing doubt, mistrust, questioning who I am, I just say whatever and move on. It doesn't work all the time, but I has, but I've I has used it regular more regularly. I have found sometimes it sticks and helps. Now before I end today, you will notice that I have included a bonus episode. This one is mostly for the sisters, but certainly you brethren can listen. So often in the church there exists a perception of male dominance, and I have no doubt many brethren take it far too far. This can leave sisters feeling isolated and marginalized because they have no one with whom to identify and relate. I have so often felt this from many sisters and discussed it with them, and I know that this feeds into some issues with mental illness. I don't think that it causes the illness, but I do believe that it can be a part. My hope in this bonus episode is to provide some hope and some identity through understanding just who she is, the role she plays, and why we hear so little about her. Just as a short tickler for that episode, I believe her to be equal in every way to the father, and she cares deeply about her daughters and their sons and their identity. Now, until next week, do your part so that the Lord can do his.